Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello there. Good afternoon to you. Did I guess right? Is it afternoon? Whatever time of day it is, I hope it's going just peachy. So recently I recorded an episode about poems in which the speaker is wrestling with God. I got tired after a couple of big beefy ones and took a break. And now I return after that intermission with two more poems. These are both by Alfred Lord Tennyson. They're from his collection called In Memoriam, published, written, I don't know if it was written or published in 1850, but 1850 is the year in my head of when this came out. It's a long collection of poems, all wrestling with the same theme. There's 133 cantos, it's called, he calls them. Each one, one, two, three, four, five stanzas of four lines each with the same rhyme scheme, A, B, B, A. He wrote these when his friend died at the age of 22. He's mourning his friend and through his friend's death, also wrestling with bigger questions of how does this work? If this is right, why does it feel so wrong? How can all this loss be for good somehow? And all these questions are addressed in a romantic and eloquent way that still moves me many, many years after I first read these poems. So I was a freshman in college and I went into the bookstore. I used to go over to the section where professors had reserved textbooks for their class. You could go there and buy the books for those class. So I went to buy books for my classes and I just perused all the other classes and bought whatever books looked good from there too, which I now realize probably messed up somebody's inventory. I think professors ordered the amount of the students who were in their class. I had no idea. I just thought, hey, used books. These all look good. I'm going to buy a big stack of them. Well, this book in memoriam was one of them that I purchased in September of 2001 when I was 18. Well, a couple weeks after that, 9-11 happened. I remember the world responding with a lot of poetry and with a lot of talking about poetry to the confusion and loss and fear that struck at that time. And I had happened to have snatched this book and had it to read over. It meant a lot to me then, and it continues to impress me with its measured but passionate address of difficult human subjects. The first one, oh my goodness, I should have worked out this Roman numeral before I started talking. I think this might be 55, Canto 55. I'll read it, talk a minute, and read it again. Listen carefully, this is very beautiful. The wish that of the living whole no life may fail beyond the grave derives it not from what we have the likest God within the soul. 
Are God and nature then at strife, that nature lends such evil dreams? So careful of the type she seems, so careless of the single life, that I, considering everywhere her secret meaning in her deeds, and finding that of fifty seeds she often brings but one to bear, I falter where I firmly trod, and falling with my weight of cares upon the great world's altar stairs that slope through darkness up to God. I stretch lame hands of faith and grope and gather dust and chaff and call to what I feel is Lord of all and faintly trust the larger hope. Okay, this is quite familiar to me. But as I read it, I realized it's a little bit difficult. Let me do a bit of paraphrasing, and I bet the second time you hear it, it'll start to make more sense. In the first stanza, he speaks about this wish we have, a wish that no life may fail. And he says, isn't this from the part of our soul that's from God? This desire we have to not lose loved ones to death? And he said, if this is from God, then is God at odds with nature? Because when he looks around in nature, he sees she is very harsh. She does not seem to mind that the mass amount of death takes place in parallel or even in order to provide life. And he says, nature seems careful of the type, so a broad species... Right? So there's going to be rabbits, but nature seems so careless of the single life. So one little scraggly rabbit born too soon might die out in the cold and nature doesn't even seem to care. His next example is 50 seeds might be planted, but only one ends up bringing new life and the rest die there in the soil. And at the end, he says, when he considers this, he falters where he used to tread firmly and falls on the altar stairs of the world that slope through darkness up to God. Beautiful image. And he stretches lame hands of faith, gropes at the dust and dirt and calls to the Lord and trusts a larger hope. Faintly, only faintly, but still trusts. I'll read it one more time, slowly. Canto 55 by Alfred Lord Tennyson. The wish that of the living whole no life may fail beyond the grave derives it not from what we have the likest God within the soul? Are God and nature then at strife that nature lends such evil dreams? So careful of the type she seems, so careless of the single life, that I, considering everywhere her secret meaning in her deeds, and finding that of fifty seeds she often brings but one to bear, I falter where I firmly trod, and falling with my weight of cares upon the great world's altar stairs that slope through darkness up to God, I stretch lame hands of faith and grope 
and gather dust and chaff and call to what I feel is Lord of all and faintly trust the larger hope. When I read this, it's difficult to get the rhymes to pop out for you. Try to get your eyeballs on these sometime soon so you can appreciate the rhyme scheme that he does with the first and last line of each stanza rhyming and then the two in the middle of the sandwich also rhyming with each other. Okay, I think this one is 54. Here it goes. I'll read it. Oh, yet we trust that somehow good will be the final end of ill to pangs of nature, sins of will, defects of doubt and taints of blood, that nothing walks with aimless feet, that not one life shall be destroyed or cast as rubbish to the void when God hath made the pile complete, that not a worm is cloven in vain, that not a moth with vain desire is shriveled in a fruitless fire, or but subserves another's gain. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall, at last far off, at last to all, and every winter change to spring. So runs my dream, but what am I? An infant crying in the night, an infant crying for the light, and with no language but a cry. You can probably hear this is similar to the last one. It also has five stanzas of four lines each with the same rhyme scheme and sort of a same pattern of looking around and observing and then trying to express hope and trust and faith, but in the form of a cry. And the cry is all he has. Maybe I'll paraphrase a little bit of this too, hoping that it will help the second time you hear it. You can hear hoping that good will come of ill. And he lists some pangs of nature, sins, doubt, defects of doubt, taints of blood. I think of that as disease and passions and sins. That none of this is pointless. Okay, If God has decided the pile of carcasses is complete, nothing's going to add to it. And so it must be that right now, when things are being cloven, the worm is cloven and the moth is shriveled in the fire, something has to come of that. It must mean something. It must be for some greater good. Okay, And he says in the penultimate stanza, he trusts that good will fall at last far off, at last to all, and every winter change to spring. If it ended there, I would not be satisfied. Because that's a simple in many ways, a simple answer to say, oh, bad will become good. It's this last stanza that got in my blood when I was 18 years old and still has a great lure to it. When he says, this is my dream. This is my hope. This is where I'm staking my hope. But what am I? Nothing but a baby in the night crying, hoping morning will come. And having nothing else to say except my cry. This reminds me of a psalm. Many of the psalms that are written from David's bed, from a low place of suffering and sorrow that are basically 
eloquent cries. And of course, it's ironic that Tennyson is saying, or the speaker is saying, he has no language but a cry because he has the language of this poem. Which 170 years later, I'm reading to you. And none of these problems have been solved since then, have they? I'll read this again. Canto 54 of In Memoriam by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Oh, yet we trust that somehow good will be the final end of ill. To pangs of nature, sins of will, defects of doubt, and taints of blood. That nothing walks with aimless feet. That not one life shall be destroyed or cast as rubbish to the void when God hath made the pile complete. That not a worm is cloven in vain. That not a moth with vain desire is shriveled in a fruitless fire or but subserves another's gain. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall, at last, far off, at last, to all, and every winter change to spring. So runs my dream, but what am I? An infant crying in the night, an infant crying for the light, and with no language but a cry. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading, where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. So what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there, and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to take this poem podcast at gmail.com and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.